Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 110 of Real Blend, a podcast that's about to tell you everything that happens in A Quiet Place Part 2. <laughs> Remember Quiet Place Part 2, kids? That movie yeah. was supposed to come out about three years ago. We were told to keep quiet, but we're not doing that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> On today's show... Uh, we're going to continue to discuss uh, everything that's happening with COVID-19, obviously, and the industry as things have continued to develop. It was really funny. Uh, Jake was Jake got a message from a friend who was listening to just last week's episode and saying, boy, you have no idea how much things have changed since you guys were able to record. Um, but of course, as you guys are probably as exhausted from all of this as we are, we're going to try to do... Um, a sort of upbeat show, you know, like obviously we're going to pay attention to everything that's happening. And of course we're treating this with the utmost respect, but we really want um, this week's episode and all the subsequent episodes that we continue to do during this difficult time to be a nice distraction from your week. Uh, and we're going to find all different uh, exciting things for us to discuss in the realm of uh, movies and entertainment and, and dip into some television as well, too. We're going to have a recommendation list uh, for some streaming things, some streaming options. But in general, it's going to be the four of us hanging out Three of us talking, one of us glaring at us uh, judgmentally, uh, as we tend to do each and every week. So, um, without further ado, obviously, I'm Sean O'Connell, the managing director here at Cinema Blend, and I am joined, as always, by I wish you could see him because his Ready Player hat, is, uh, Ready Player One hat, is gorgeous. It's Kevin McCarthy of Fox Five in Washington D.C. Hi, Kev. Uh, good afternoon, Sean, Jake, Gabe. Uh, I am honored we are doing this show together and uh, we get to hang out once a week on Skype all together for about two hours. And it's fun, man. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, I mean, I say fun in regards to talking to you guys. I mean, obviously, we're in a very serious situation, but I'm just thankful that we have the show. And it's kind of an excuse for us to you know, talk about movies and kind of like do our normal things. We're all living very abnormal lives right now. It's very strange. You saw that hero shot of Spielberg on the set of uh, yes. West Side Story. Did you see that? Yeah, man. Oh, God, that was like so beautiful. Yeah. It was like almost as if he was posing for uh, his Rushmore chisel <laughs> to be put on the yeah. on the real blend Mount Rushmore. All right, y'all can't see him does... either. But but uh, Jake Hamilton of Fox Thirty Two in Chicago is holding up a sign that says, "We cheated. Get over it." Is that what that says? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's wearing a Houston Astros World Series championship. No, no, Sean, you lean back so I can see. What is that movie that's never going to get released? <laughs> yeah, that's what oh, it says. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, couldn't, sorry I, can't, I couldn't see. Couldn't see. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Oh, no, no. Sorry. It's hey, my, buddy. It's my Snyder Cut shirt. Hi, Jakey. How are you? <laughs> Shots fired already, like three minutes into the show. Since since all sense of social structure is collapsing, does that mean we don't have to listen to Gabe's rap signs anymore? Yes, it's a free for all <laughs> in, the, in the pandemic. Nobody raps. Uh, let's see. Mention no Krasinski for those that didn't 
see the tweet. All right. Gabe is tweeting. Gabe is mentioning that I should tell y'all that John Krasinski, obviously, uh, who uh, was the last person that we spoke to in civilized society, uh, is not going to be on this episode of Rimland because clearly uh, his movie has gotten delayed. And we're going to get to the delays in a second about all the different films that have pushed back. And uh, wisely, um, that's one of the films that said, you know, look, we cherish the theatrical experience and we'll be back when everything is back to normal. And so we'll hold our John Krasinski interview uh, closer to whenever that film gets released, obviously. Um, and that was part of my joke of us wanting to to tell you everything that happens in the film because it's one of the last movies that we got to watch together uh, as a group. That might be the last movie that we got. I saw The Hunt. I did go see The Hunt um, right after that. Well, let's maintain some consistency uh, in, in an otherwise chaotic world and remind you guys that we have a community page over on Facebook. Um, so if you want to head over there and join in on the fun conversations that the Blender family is having, uh, you can go over there and like that page, uh, start posting some of your own opinions and engage in some of the conversations that are already going on over there. Uh, we're going to continue to post our episodes <clears throat> on Cinema Blend's YouTube page. So if you would rather stream the show, head over to youtube.com backslash Cinema Blend and subscribe. And of course, we're available on all of your favorite podcast apps. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to have a review from a fan later on in the show as well, too. And we'll transition over into the weekly poll. Kev, you got something? Well, you just said something interesting. Uh, is the last movie everyone, each one of us saw in theaters? Jake and I was Quiet Place 2 and Sean, you're the hunt. Those are the last I films saw the we hunt. saw. In, that's the last yeah. films we saw in theaters. Yeah. I mean, for wow. now. Yeah, for now. <laughs> Poor Gabe says, unfortunately, not, I can't say unfortunately because that man was on our show. <laughs> but he says his last film that he saw in theaters was Bloodshot. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah, not not the uh, not the ceremonial fil- that <laughs> film that you want to. Did you did you pay to go see Bloodshot? Uh, no, he no, went to okay, Christ. Good, good. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, no one paid to go see Bloodshot. Well, I want to ask yeah. you guys an interesting question when we get to that conversation. But um, this is this will be uh, a pretty fun uh, debate, I think, uh, when we get into some of this. But the weekly poll. Uh, we asked, since most of us are stuck at home in this, um, it's not quite a mandatory uh, quarantine yet. But I think most of us are doing our part to flatten the curve, according to a term that everybody's using. So everyone's doing their best to stay at home as much as physically possible, not going out unless we uh, unless it's an essential trip. Uh, I've been working from home for a long time. I know a lot of people listening to it are also getting adjusted to uh, schools being closed and kids being at home and, and job shifting work schedules. So we asked you uh, what streaming service is going to be your new best friend? Friend, now that you are stuck from home, I'm not even going to give you guys a chance to decide because Netflix dominated with 70% of the vote, uh, followed by Hulu, 14%. The Criterion channel, Gabe, and maybe uh, add to it, with a, got 4% for you highbrow Real Blend listeners. And other. The Criterion got 12%. channel? 12%. Yeah, well, I mean, there's good, there's uh, good movies on the Criterion you channel. You pretentious asshole. <laughs> Uh, the others like the that criteria. got some voted, uh, Disney Plus. What is, what is got a lot? Criterion. Criterion is a brand of 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 DVDs. Yeah, yeah essentially. Like, it's, like, it's, like it doesn't it doesn't like like it, it's it's good. It's a collection of movies. Armageddon has a Criterion collection. Damn right, Armageddon has a Criterion edition. Yes, it does. Wait, Armageddon has a Criterion. Yeah, edition? it does. That makes me I so happy. <laughs> I have it too. <laughs> Michael Bay made a Criterion movie. No one can ever mess with them. And you know what? You know what bothers me so much? <laughs> it's a it, the cover 
It's black, and it just has the crest oh. of the earth on fire, and it says Armageddon, and it's just left or just right of off center, uh, just right of center. Like it's it's a it's a gorgeous logo that's not center in the middle of the box, and that drives me absolutely nuts every time I look at. <laughs> start talking. Let's see if I can find it. Hold on. Start talking. I actually just looked on my shelves to see if it was there, but it was not there. It does make me happy that Michael Bay has a film because I always found criteria. Uh, Criterion to me was always synonymous with like Wes Anderson. Like Wes Anderson would. Oh, Wes, oh, I remember that. Yeah, Wes Anderson. Look at that. Would, look what. Look at the logo. It's it's off center. That's a DVD, right? Not a, not a Blu-ray, right? <laughs> yeah, it's DVD. Doesn't that, that drive you, sure you nuts? That's not a bootleg. That looks like a fake movie. Well, I, I wasn't know. bothered by it until you just showed it to me. Yeah, that's that's really annoying. <laughs> All right, but the question would be: if you could criterion any of Bay's movies, which one would you choose? Would it be Armageddon? Uh, no, uh, Armageddon would... is my favorite Michael Bay movie. If I could mm-hmm. criterion one of his movies, it'd be The Rock. I think it'd be The Rock for me as well, too. But but they they chose Armageddon. Oh, shut your stop! You're crying. I love Armageddon. I love Armageddon. Armageddon makes me cry every time. I have no problem with that Criterion film. And Michael Bay is a great director, and I have no problem saying that. So let's go. Neither does he. Yeah. All right. Talking points. Let's get serious for a little while, folks. Before we uh, wait, are we getting serious or are we? Well, having a lighthearted show. Well, we have it, to, we're going to have a lighthearted I show, know, but we I have know. to discuss some of these things that are going to devastate uh, our world. Essentially, they're turning our world on its head. Sean made an interesting point at the beginning of the show that I wanted to clarify that I think is interesting. I did. Um, this is a very serious situation, as everyone knows. Um, and then talking movies, people could say, oh, that's trivial. Um, and I want to say that I feel like the entertainment industry and the fe- people who are being affected by this, it's not just a movie being delayed. It's jobs. It's people's lives. It's people's work. Um, so while movies may be trivial, there are thousands of people connected to the films that are being delayed that are that may, you know, may not be able to work for a certain amount of time. So it is an important discussion. It's actually a very important discussion because it affects our economy. It affects our lives. So I don't think movies are as trivial as people are saying they are. I think that entertainment, this, what's happening, listen, at the end of the day, human lives is the most important thing. We all know that. But I do feel like this is a very important subject matter. I really do. And to your point, Kevin, I've actually gotten more texts and messages from people over the last seven to 10 days saying, dude, can you please, like, I need an escape. Can you please recommend a movie or a TV show or something? Which is why I've started doing uh, these top five lists. My boss came to me. He was like, dude, like, like we, we need you to break up the show. Like, like stop, stop doing like such heavy coronavirus stories. Like he goes, I'm not, I'm not telling you to like, you know, dance around and, and, and whatever, but like start, I started doing these like top five, like series to binge. And Kevin, I know you're doing the same thing. Like I, I yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. This, this is nothing to joke around about. This is a very serious thing, but I also think that, that yeah, to a certain degree, movies and TV uh, they're an escape for people right now. And I, I think that that's important for people to be able to just for a second to cleanse their mind, to turn off their local news and press play on some mindless entertainment. Well, here's one thing that's making it very difficult to do that. And this is where we're going to start. Um, something that I thought we would never see in our lifetime, all the major theater chains closing their locations. Now, you know, you don't think about the the industries that are affected by something specific as as a virus that is spread through people being close to each other. And it was it was fairly interesting in my uh, opinion to see the stages of the movie theaters uh, trying to react to uh, like like you saw them go to 
uh, we're going to limit uh, 50% of the theater. Yeah, 50% of capacity so that you don't have to sit too close to everybody uh, if you choose to go see a movie. Uh, The other one became... Well, then they just straight up closed. Then it was Regal Cinemas closed. It was AMC Theaters, Cinemark. They all just shut down for an indeterminate bow tie uh, number of time. Bow tie is a, is a theater. That, that's a cinema. Yeah, we have bow tie cinemas in our area. It's I think it's a nationwide cinema chain, but they they closed right around the same time Regal did. I was surprised Regal closed before AMC. I thought that was kind of surprising to me. It was inevitable. I think they were both just looking at each other, uh, which was kind of fascinating. Now, p- part of the reason why they're closing is not just because of the uh, you can't sit too close to anybody or we're, we're talking about social distancing. But in about a week, uh, they were looking at having no new films to talk about because the the other thing that happened was the production halts or, or the release uh, date uh, pushbacks on almost every major film uh, coming. And it was you know, I think all the studios were kind of looking at each other like, who's going to be the first one to blink? And um, you saw Fast 9 obviously push back uh, in light of the Bond film pushing back. Those are films that have a global marketplace. Uh, and we were talking about, I think, the last time we were all together. These are ones that have uh, such a need on other markets like China, uh, like Europe, that if they can't have access to them, they're going to take such a hit financially that, of course, they're going to push back. But then it started to become every film. It was Quiet Place 2, as we mentioned. People were really looking at Disney because they had a handful of big ones on the horizon from Mulan to uh, New Mutants. Then they started looking ahead to Black Widow and it started to become like, how far out are we going to do this? Now, I'd have to look at the calendar again. I'm not quite sure uh, how far out we are. I think Wonder Woman in June might be the only film that's still currently holding on to the release date that it has. And they went so far as to put out a poster that said, see you in 84 days. Um, And I don't know if that was a mistake (laughs) or if that was them defiantly saying, look, we're coming out in June, no matter what. But obviously this, this situation changes on a day to day basis. Um, I want to ask you guys this, as we get into this, once the theater started to close, the conversation became, Uh, put these movies on VOD. And some of the studios are answering it. Uh, Universal is releasing The Invisible Man and Emma and The Hunt, uh, films that will still be in theaters right now, uh, are going to VOD a little bit early. Uh, You're seeing Warner Brothers is putting Birds of Prey, uh, Just Mercy and The Gentleman are going to VOD. So Universal's movies are coming out on the 20th. The WB ones are coming out on the 24th. Uh, we are seeing, obviously, a large call to put other theatrical films on VOD uh, at a price point that makes it justified from the studio's perspective. Because, look, if we're all going to be quarantined for the next eight weeks, do we want to see the big movies in theaters? Jake, you're saying no. Tell me why. No, I, just, I think that's absolutely I'm sorry. I think that's ridiculous. There's a giant difference between releasing films that have already been in theaters that have, for the most part, already made the money they're going to make. Like Invisible Man did really well. And right. that's, I mean, theaters are closed. That's all it's going to make. Hunt was was DOA, DOA whenever it came out. Um, the, the, you know, the gentlemen, Birds of Prey, they all came and went like they right. had their time. You're putting them out early. Okay, that's great. But this idea that because you're stuck at home that you should get to see Mulan early. I'm sorry, that's just ridiculous. It's no, one, it's not going to happen. These These movies... They cost hundreds of millions of dollars that need to make hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars back to even get back into the black. It's, it's not going to happen. And also, like, I'm sorry, who wants to see it that way? Like, you could tell me right now that Mulan is available to watch on Disney Plus and I would not watch it because that is a I, the theaters are going to come back. They are go- they just are. They're going to come back. And the, the, and the movies like that 
are, are worth waiting for. They just are. I would rather wait and, and maybe catch up on a couple of TV shows that I haven't seen than, than sit there and, and demand all of these movies like, like, like a selfish child d- demand to have them right now. I think it's ridiculous to ask for the studios to put them out early. And, and if you're a true, genuine movie fan, you shouldn't want to see those movies cooped up at, at home on your TV screen. You should say, no, I'm going to wait for the, the theatrical experience because that's what a movie fan should do. Interesting. Um, Kevin, I know you're a huge fan of theatrical experience. You must have an opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because there's so many there's so many layers of everything you just kind of put out. Um, you know, there were so many different uh, emotions we all went through over the past couple of weeks. By the way, do you guys find the word indefinitely to be a little misleading? Like if you say a movie's in, uh, I feel like you say Black Widow is postponed indefinitely. It sounds like it's never coming out. Like <laughs> It definitely sounds like forever, but I, yes. but I feel like that's just a misinterpretation of the word. Yeah, no, I agree. I just feel like that word feels different. Um, but to Jake's point, I'm I'm always going to be a theater guy, um, but I know that not everybody has access to movie theaters. Um, I I am scared about what this is going to do to the future of cinema. Um, we are this is going to be a massive change. I think this is going to be if studios are start seeing great returns on money with these VOD releases. That's going to become something that's on their mind. Um, and you also think about it from a family's perspective. Uh, again, you're talking to somebody who saw Dunkirk six times in 70 millimeter IMAX. I mean, I, I am a theater. That's my thing. That's like my I, I will always go to a movie theater over watching a movie at home. Um, but like 1917, for example, that came in the mail as a screener. I still went out and saw it that night at, at a press screenings. I wanted to see it in the cinema. Um, but you have to think about families. Trolls World Tour. That's a smart move on Universal's part. April 10th, VOD, families. Um, I don't. I think that one's going to be $20, I believe, 1999 for a 48-hour rental period. Um, mm-hmm. But then questions started arriving, arising, as Sean just said, about other films. Would you pay $50 to watch Black Widow on VOD? Would you pay $50 to watch Mulan on VOD? And I'm with Jake. No, I, I think you. we just need to wait because those are films that need a theatrical experience. But right now, I think a film like Trolls as much as I love the theatrical experience, if you can give that to a family for 20 bucks and a family of five can watch the movie, you know, I, 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 I'm okay with that. I mean, right now we are in a, we are in a very unprecedented time where we don't really know what we're doing. Studios are all trying to figure out what to do with their releases, but you also got to think about the trickle down effect, right? The trickle down effect of what's going to happen next year. So if all these movies are pushed back to certain dates, Though next year is already booked up, right? Aren't isn't next year already? No, but no, but all major productions have stopped. So like, so like, yeah, so like Jurassic Park is supposed to come out, but they just stopped production. So all the movies that were supposed to come out next year might not come out next year. So it might just be, it might just shuffle everything back. I see what you're saying. It's going to shuffle everyone's release date. Yeah, and then I Black see. Widow's Black Widow's move is interesting because. As we know with the MCU, and Sean, you might be able to tell me this, the MCU shows, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, WandaVision, those are all tied, obviously, to the MCU movie storyline. They right? are, yes. So, yep. clearly, it's the same characters, uh, same actors. So, whatever happens in Black Widow probably has something to do with what's going to happen in the story of Falcon and the Winter Soldier and the other MCU shows, I'm assuming, Sean. I mean, I, I, that's just my it, assumption. So Yes, it could, do you have to hold Black Widow back uh, in order? Like, think about that for a second. Like, if Falcon and the Winter Soldier can't come out because Black Widow hasn't gotten the story there yet, yeah, that's, that's pretty wild. A problem of a connected universe. Yes, that right. that's become one issue of a connected universe. I think the issue is 
you have to take all these on a sort of case by case basis, because while I would agree with you that a film like Mulan uh, probably deserves to be seen on the big screen based on what they were shooting for with an epic storyline, um, I could return that with New Mutants, which is a movie that has been delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. And I just feel like it would benefit that movie to make it available to people uh, next week. But then you're picking so, and choosing certain movies, yeah, and that's where it gets you are. dangerous. And that's, yeah. But would you yeah. would you argue that that if you're if we are going to be picking and choosing more often than not, you would put a movie into the wait for the theater category? Y- y- yes, until you mention something like Black Widow. Um, I ask myself personally, as a Marvel fanatic, would I pay fifty dollars? Yeah, I think I think I'd watch it at home for fifty bucks. If, I think uh, I, if each one of us got an email right now. I barely want to pay to see it in theaters, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see it. I, I thought that new trailer was awesome. Uh, that's just me. I'm but so excited for it. I'm very excited about it. Um, and I wasn't because I originally because of her Black Widow dying in Endgame. I was like, how are there any stakes? But the Florence Pugh character is really what's interesting wait, to me. Wait, let, um, let me put it in a perspective that Jake would, would appreciate. Let's say that this was happening to us last year and, and you were coming up on Solo, a Star Wars story. Knowing nothing that you know about Solo, and they were offering it for fifty dollars. Hundred percent. Wait, wait. Hundred percent. I, I don't. I think I don't, you're lying, Jake. I love no. you, but I don't buy that. Like, okay, then, okay. Let's put this in Kevin's perspective. Tenant. <laughs> Tenant. You, you, you pay to watch Tenant in at your home, or you wait, <laughs> Nolan style. If Tenant was sent to me today, and they said you might not be able to watch this for a year, I'd wait yeah. a year. I'd wait. Wow. I don't think you would. Well, I mean, to be fair, we, we we kind of come across this a lot at the end of every year where we're sent screeners for movies sure. that we haven't seen. And every once in a while, we're sent a fairly big screener. I remember, what sure. I don't know why this one comes to mind, but I remember one year uh, getting the screener for Les Mis. And I mean, that's a big screen spectacle sure. of a movie. Yeah. And, and I knew that I had the junket in like two weeks. And I seriously, I put the screener down and thought, I'm just going to, I'm just going to wait. Like, see, this- I'd rather see it on the big screen. This exact conversation is why it's what the studios are probably talking about. You know what I mean? Like what, how, how do you choose which films we do this with? Now Mulan's a, a reportedly a $200 million film. You put that on Disney plus premium or whatever for 50 bucks. Families will definitely watch it. I know they will. Um, now that being said, I would wait for the theatrical experience because I want to see that on the big screen, but it comes down to like the question you just asked, Sean, that's that's why this is such a hard discussion. If Black Widow was sent to me right now, I would watch it for fifty dollars. I would because I'm curious about but it. But then you have to, like, then you run into piracy. Then piracy becomes a major issue. Sure, then it's spread. once it's once it's out there, it's game over. It's done. But I mean, you could argue that about like any of these Netflix movies and things like that. I mean, like again, they're not box office uh, revenues on Netflix films, but sure. it, it's true. And, and the reason why you don't, reason why you push back a movie like Mulan or Black Widow or No Time to Die is because if it releases domestically when our theaters were open and all the theaters in uh, China, there was like 70,000 theaters closed apparently at one point, according to The Hollywood Reporter. And that's where you have to think about it. If it comes out in in in, in the states, of course they're gonna it's gonna be pirated uh, in other countries. So Gabe, Gabe, yes or yes. no? Thumbs up or thumbs down? They send you Dune. They say Dune's <laughs> available for fifty bucks. Gabe Otherwise, would watch you might it. not be able to watch it for. Let's it, 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 you might not be able to watch it for two years. Dune, thumbs up or thumbs down? Let's just two call years. it two years. Two years. Thumbs, thumbs down. down. You don't you don't do it. You wait. You wait. He doesn't watch it. He doesn't watch it. He waits. That's my man. Here's where it gets interesting. Wow. Like. There are, okay, there are, at least, and I think we can all agree on, there are certain filmmakers that you have to see in theaters. So, no, I would not watch Tenet 
I would not watch Tenet at home. I would not but, watch Tenet but, at but home. But the situation but, is that you physically cannot go watch it in a theater right now. We're I, in an unprecedented time. But but we we know it's going to come out eventually. Like we we are going to come out of this. Yes, and I agree with that. And that's a great way to think about it. But you think about Tenet, for example. Tenet is shot on specific cameras that need to be seen on a seventy millimeter IMAX screen. That's why I wouldn't watch that movie at home. Black Widow, from all I know, was shot digitally and just with regular scope. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I don't believe they shot with IMAX cameras. They might expand it for IMAX at some point. But uh, that's a movie that I would be okay with watching at home while it is a big screen experience. Okay. All right. I got a better question. Hypothetical. All right. Then we're going to rewind. All right. Rewind back to May, uh, April of last year. This all happens last year. We are in. We are approaching April. Avengers Endgame is about to come out. Ooh, ooh, Sean O'Connell. All of this happens. They've I would watch it on PJ's Apple Watch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I'd watch Endgame. <laughs> the way God intended. <laughs> All right, Jake, let me ask you that question. Would you watch yeah. Endgame if it was sent to you right now if you hadn't seen it? No, absolutely not. Even the most anticipated movie of all time absolutely arrives in not. your email box. You wouldn't watch it. No. Oh, I'd watch it in I a heartbeat. What if they I told you, Jake, two years until you can see it? <laughs> Here it would be my biggest issue is if all of my friends were watching it and then I had to worry about you assholes keeping it quiet. Spoilers. Like I, I would be concerned yeah. about being on like social media. Like it would be the same thing of like, okay, I'm not going to watch the Game of Thrones finale, but it's still airing. That would be my concern. So I think yeah. we all, all right. basically would we would bend one way for certain films, but we would not bend one way for other films. And so yeah. that then becomes a question of what do you do if you're a movie studio? What do you do? Well, they're still trying to figure it out. I don't know, Will. What are we going to do? Well, I don't know, Will. Do? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what we did was come up with some quarantine deals. Uh, we have all, we're constantly, as you guys know, texting each other in, in the text chain and recommending things to each other and commenting on things that we're watching. And there are certain titles that we are always yelling at the other people uh, for the fact that they haven't watched them yet. Jake is constantly yelling at uh, Kevin for not having watched Lost. Uh, we berate Jake uh, for not watching Better Call Saul. And uh, so we're rectifying that. We have agreed uh, with no stakes on the line whatsoever. It's not like anyone has to watch a Human Centipede film if this doesn't happen. Uh, but we've agreed to take on certain shows that we're finally going to catch up on while we're um, stuck in this quarantine situation. Jake, you are going to finally start watching Better Call Saul or you have started watching Better Call Saul. How far into season one are you? Well, we made the deal um, at least at least one episode a day. Um, I, I have been tackling it, trying to tackle at least about two a day. Um, so I'm six episodes in and I just texted Kevin. I just came across oh. the episode that hooked me, the episode that I went, OK, I'm in this now. And ironically, it was an episode that had very little to do with uh, Saul Goodman. It oh, was nice. an episode about Mike played by the great Jonathan Banks. And it was basically an entire Mike episode who I always thought uh, was one of the most fascinating characters in Breaking Bad. And I texted Kevin instantly. I was like, holy crap, dude. I, I just watched the episode. I like. I no longer am watching it because of the deal that we made. I'm watching it because now I'm in. Um, Jake <laughs> sent me a text and he goes, I just watched this episode. I knew exactly which one it was. He knew. I didn't even tell him what it was. He goes, he goes is it the episode where XYZ <laughs> yeah. happens? I go, that's it. 
That's it. And what's funny is I actually think that today Kevin's about to watch that episode of Lost. Yeah, it's interesting like because like Jake and I have gone back and forth over the years. Jake's the one who got me into Breaking Bad. Um, and then I just fell in love with Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is my favorite show of all time. And uh, I know Sean wants to speak heavily on Saul as well. Um, but, you know, we all get behind and then you just don't go back to these shows. I just never went to Lost because I was like, I just have so much other stuff to catch up on. And so I'm so happy we did this because now we're forced uh, be, between our <laughs> friendships to watch this. And uh, I was—I know Jake was hesitant about Saul because the first couple of, uh, the first two seasons of Saul are a slow burn, but a slow necessary burn because once you get to three, four, you're in Breaking Bad level territory of quality. That's, that is a bold, if, if there were anyone else making that statement, I wouldn't believe them, but that is your favorite show. Yeah. Well, and I liked, I like what Jake said too. Jake was like, if if this is the slower part of the show, then I'm I'm in for a treat. Yeah, because one and two are they establish a lot of necessary characters that will be significant to to later storylines. The Kettlemans. Yeah, <laughs> and there are very interesting um, ways to look at these experiences that we're doing. Uh, like Jake just said, the I, I'm already hooked on Lost. I already love it, um, but I'm excited about this episode called Walkabout, which I'm about to watch after we record. Um, and I'm probably going to knock out more, one or two more episodes than that. My wife, Lauren is obsessed with Lost. She's seen the season. She's seen the whole show yes. twice. So she has all the Blu-rays and I've been watching it at home on my, on a 4k and it looks unbelievable. They shot 35 millimeter. You know, Larry Fong was the DP on those movies. Isn't he Snyder's yeah, guy? Snyder's boy. Yeah. yeah that's Larry Fong, guy. um, shot, uh, you know, Lost was shot 35 mil. Abrams directed those first two episodes. They're very, very well done. It looks, doesn't it look pretty damn good for a 16 year old show? It looks phenomenal on my TV. Um, and so, it's interesting, like Jake and I are going through this experience now where he is now, like Saul was something that you tried and didn't love. And then I, I have the same experience with Saul. I watched seasons one and two, thought it was good, but it wasn't blown away. And then my dad texted me, he goes, Kevin, I'm in the middle of season three right now. You have to start this. Like, And then he was 100% right. And Sean knows what I'm talking about. Like the uh-huh. show just becomes, it becomes, you are that. I was missing that feeling in my life when Breaking Bad ended. And Saul has brought that back. And like to Jake's point, about Mike, Jonathan Banks, who's one of the greatest actors working today. Uh, no one talks about how incredible he really is. Um, the scene that Jake is referring to is early in season one. Uh, it's a, you know, we're learning about Mike's story and his own family. And there's a scene where he's on a couch, which is very, very emotional as he tells this story to his um, his son's wife. And it is just brilliant. Oh, I writing. remember now. I was trying to think of what that's the episode. I was trying that to think I, what yeah. scene you were talking about. And yeah. that's that scene. Soul is a show that could have easily been just done to bank off of Breaking Bad. And I genuinely feel like I'm watching what the story really was before Breaking Bad. Like everything leading into Breaking Bad. This is exactly how it went down. And it doesn't feel like a cash grab. It doesn't feel anything like that. It feels like we're just living in the world. And what's weird about it's Better Call Saul, I don't know if Sean feels the same way. Walt and Jesse are running around somewhere, right? Like they're they're running around in this world. We just haven't seen them yet. They are. Yeah, and I don't even know if I want to. Um, like it, it's, it almost feels like that would be a distraction. Um, we will. Uh, I don't know. That'll be curious to see because I, I found myself, I've just, I've become so invested in the other characters that are part of that narrative. And I don't want to talk about much with Jake still sort of figuring it out. But one of the things that, that was really, really smart about what they did 
Um, well, first off, the, the Vince Gilligan uh, has come out and said that he um, they didn't know at all what they were doing with the first season. Like they thought it'd be a fun idea to do a show around this guy, but they thought he was going to become Saul Goodman by the end of the first season. I love and Jimmy. Was, Don't you love Jimmy? No, I love Jimmy more than anything. Jimmy McGill is who Saul, Saul Goodman actually is. Um, and you become so much more invested in that character that I almost hate Saul now. Um, and I don't want to, again, it's hard to don't, discuss. Don't say anything. Yeah, it's hard to discuss because I don't want to give away too much. Um, and so I guess what we're trying to say to you guys is if you ever loved Breaking Bad but didn't feel like Better Call Saul was a show for you, I'm here, we're all here to tell you, and Jake is about to find out, like it, it's a show from the people who brought you Breaking Bad. <laughs> and it's like the the level of acting is on par. It's all the character, it's it's Gus and it's Mike and and obviously Jimmy and Saul and new characters who you just uh, become overwhelmed by. It's it's phenomenal on every level. Jake, you had something, one last thing to throw Yeah, in. I was just going to say one thing. Uh, you know, Kevin and I made this deal where we're each going to watch at least one episode a day. Kevin's going to get through Lost and I'm going to get through Better Call Saul. But it is, if you think about it, really kind of a, an unfair deal. Um, <laughs> Because I, because there are only ten episodes a season for Better Call Saul, and Lost started twenty two. Yeah, Lost Lost started at a time where oh like my. they were churning out twenty two <laughs> to twenty five episode wow. seasons. There are one hundred twenty two episodes of Lost. Oh my! Um, so my, my idea was is that whenever I, because I've always wanted to rewatch Lost, and I've always rewatched. I've, I've probably rewatched the first season three times, and then didn't proceed further. So I had this idea, and I haven't even pitched it to, to Kevin or anything that. I would get through Better Call Saul, find out where you are in the show, Kevin, and then start watching it with you to kind of like that could be my rewatch because that by that point you were probably going to be done. So sweet. Well, because like because I I like I've already I've rewatched the first season a thousand times. (laughs) I don't need to rewatch the first season, but I wouldn't mind starting like around the second season and going from there. So by the time I get through Saul, well, probably you'll be somewhere in the middle of the second season. And then I'll just, and then you and I can just tell me when you're going to press play and I'll press play with you. Definitely. And I, I, I would love to do that because I'm, I'm really enjoying watching Lost and I'm really enjoying like talking to Jake about like theories I have and characters I have. Um, before we move on, I want to tell Sean a theory and this is not a spoiler whatsoever about Better Call Saul, uh, Jake, Uh-oh. so you're totally fine. It's be a spoiler. But I, I have a theory about season six of uh, Better Call Saul and I'll, I, I, this is going to be no spoilers at all. Just, I just, bet you season, so we're in season five right now. I bet you, no, 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 no. Jake, you're fine. Jake, you're fine. Well, no, because I don't even, I don't even want you to no say like spoiler. this character Dude, or that character because I don't want to. Jake, I promise you, I'm not, this is not a spoiler. If it is, you can punch me in the face next time I see you. I think, <laughs> I think season six of Breaking, uh, of Better Call Saul is yeah. going to be in the exact timeline of season yeah. one of Breaking Bad. Yeah, and we're, I can see And we're going to see the entire season of Breaking Bad season one on the flip side. That of, would be pretty of badass. Saul's yeah. storyline. That's, because he because he doesn't show up till season two of Breaking Bad, right? Right. Uh, when so did, the last epi- the last scene of Breaking Bad could be him because because he gets that phone call to um don't don't they call him to go get their that what's his name out of jail? They do. Oh uh, yeah, Badger, yeah, Jesse's yeah, yeah. friend, Badger, Badger. They call that's that's where he comes into the show to get Badger out of jail. So the the last That'd scene of cool. Better Call Saul could be him getting that phone call. Oh. That they need help getting back. Yeah, out of jail. You're, you're, you're projecting cool. too much of what's not going to happen. You know, <laughs> that would be amazing. Look, I'm an expert with this freaking show. All right. I've seen six episodes. But we projected amazing things for Rise of Skywalker. And look what turned out with that. We didn't even get a copy of it. everyone got a copy except the guy that actually liked the movie. So I don't have a show to stream. Uh, oh, yeah, or I didn't wait, wait, because wait. I was. Can we, can we give you one? Well, I'm going to I'm going to reveal what I'm doing right now. Oh, I'm, I've. 
Yes. Well, I'm all caught up on Westworld, uh, and you can watch my reaction videos over on Cinema Blend's YouTube page. Uh, but at the urging of one Jake Hamilton, uh, starting this evening, Michelle and I are going to start watching The Leftovers. Yes! Yeah. So I'm pretty excited for The Leftovers. Lindelof, baby! <laughs> Lindelof for the win! Now, uh, Jake said something about The Leftovers, and I, I know I know essentially the concept of The Leftovers. I know that, like, 2% of the people, is that what it is? 2% of the world's 2% population? 2% of the world's population. Disappears. Just up and disappears for no reason. And this is about the people who are... Left over. Uh, but you said the first season is like an eight out of ten, and then seasons two and three yeah. are some of the best yeah. things you've ever witnessed in your entire life. Well, the first season is based on a book. Yeah. And where the book ends is where the first season ends. The same last thing. And then basically Lindelof started working with the writer of the book and kind of sort of went, Well, what happens now? Because because the both the first season and the book kind of just stop. It just ends. There's no real conclusion. And oh, so the first season, the first season is, is, is solid, you know, but they still had to work by within the constraints of what the book was. And then once they're kind of free of the pages and they can really go wherever they want to go is when it turns into one of the best TV series I've ever seen in my entire life. Okay. Jeez. See, I bet. I mean, it's, I watched not only in addition to our text, I watched your thing on Fox 32 and you got me super excited. And uh, so Hot we're going to start that tonight. And the finale is great. It, it doesn't it always suck whenever like, Someone asks you, whenever people ask me about Dexter, I'm always like, yeah, it's great for like four years. And then it really starts sucking and the yeah. finale's horrible. So I always tell, feel weird telling people to like watch it. The, fin- the the finale is fantastic. Right. So like you're heading towards something great. But that's what people say about Lost, don't they? <laughs> What's your Yes, show rightfully for- so. What's your show The finale is great. My show for Gabe is like. I, I want Gabe to watch. Uh, I actually was going to pitch Gabe to watch The Leftovers, actually. Gabe, you should watch Love Gabe. is Blind. It's really good on Netflix. I actually like Love is Blind. I'm sorry. I thought it was fun. If anybody out there likes... God, you're, you are so married. You are such a married man. First of all, you, Jake, you watched The Circle at home by yourself. I heard that was good. Circle is an interesting social commentary that was horrible. Oh, it was horrible? Well, it leads to a finale that's that's crap. Oh. Just like Dexter. Did you guys hear that there's like big brother candidates who were sequestered in the house who didn't know about They were just also? told today. They yeah. were just told today. Like Jared Leto yeah. style. I yeah. found that to be a misleading headline because oh. and the big brother Germany thing and from what I understand uh, for people who out there don't know what we're talking about there was a headline that went out that the big brother Germany cast was going to find out about the coronavirus for the first time on live TV. So okay. from, from what I read uh, most of the cast was in the house by February 6th. Coronavirus was already a thing at that point. It wasn't a pandemic. It wasn't as big as it is now, but it was a thing at that point in China. I believe there were other, there were four other housemates from what I read on, uh, I believe, I believe it was the guardian that moved in on March in at the beginning of March. So clearly okay. those people at the beginning of March knew about the coronavirus. Did they not tell anybody in the house about it? So I found that to be a, I don't know, if that's necessarily true, I, I'm not. I, I could be wrong. My facts could be wrong. But if they were in the house by February 6th and some of them came in at the, at the beginning of March, I feel like they probably knew about it. <laughs> in my do you know? Opinion. Do you know what we're gonna get? I guarantee this. Jersey Shore is gonna do a coronavirus season where like one or two of them will be infected and they'll put just put them into the house and have them react because I just feel like those personalities would react like they'll stoop to that level right where you'll start to see some really gross tactics oh no what are you showing us just a little you know I always like to throw in like a piece of breaking news that that comes out during the show 
Apparently, this is what it took. George R.R. R. Martin reveals that because of he is self-isolating due to coronavirus, <laughs> he will finally be finishing The Winds of Winter. <laughs> okay, great. Let's, so that's, let's it see. literally took a worldwide <laughs> pandemic for George R.R. R. Martin to finish that. All right, so we're going to move on to uh, This Week in Movies, our segment where we normally talk about what's coming to the multiplex, but since um, everything has shifted and things are not opening anymore, we went ahead and looked at some trailers for movies that are going to be going to be coming to streaming services near you. We want to start with a Netflix movie that's coming called The Platform. And it's pretty funny. We all watched this trailer and I think our immediate reaction uh, was, oh, this is Snowpiercer, um, but with a really bizarre twist. Jakey, you want to set it up? <laughs> yeah, it's basically some sort of a prison um, that is vertical. It goes up and down and every floor there are a couple of people. And I guess the top floor is people who are not in prison and they get to eat a meal every night. And then whatever is left over, that table goes down into the prison level per level per level. And the social commentary I get from the trailer is that we all consume more than we should. And if we only consumed what we needed, there would be enough to go around. And the idea is you only get what's left over from the people above you. But in theory, please be a good person and leave enough for the people below you. And naturally, that doesn't happen. And it's a, it's a pretty obvious social commentary. That being said, it does look really interesting, and I want to see it. Well, aesthetically, it looks really wild. Like, just yeah. the symmetry of this building structure that they are in uh, as the table is getting lowered from one level to the next. These people can almost look up and see the people that are above them uh, on the proverbial food chain. And there's a suggestion that... If they were to go down below, it's a bit of a nightmare. So yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of all in on yeah. where this is going. Yeah. So uh, that's coming to see, Netflix. That is a movie I would say drop it now. I want to see it. Yeah, uh, we watched a trailer for a movie called Below the Man Down, uh, which when Kevin uh, phrased it said it looks like a Fargo ripoff, and I can kind of see that. It looks a little bit like uh, two girls who are getting deeper and deeper into uh, a crime, and the more that they try to cover up. Uh, everything that's happening uh, in the situation, things keep getting worse for them and they keep trying to cover their tracks and figure out where it's going to go. But it has Margot Martindale in it, who I tend to really like a lot. And it's kind of fun. Like whenever you get a character actor like that, who shows up in a streaming project or or just a, a project that you're curious about thinking about, uh, that type of actor can just pull you in with their performance. You can be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to dial in and see what they're going to bring to the table. Yeah. Kevin was talking about earlier in the show how um, Jonathan Banks, who plays Mike in both Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, is sort of one of the most underrated actors working today. And I would agree. But I would also say that about Margot Martindale, who is absolutely incredible. Um, she was amazing. in what I believe was the second or third season of a show called Justify with Timothy Oliphant. Oh, and that's another movie was, I, I, or show I really want to yeah, watch. Great show. Great show. And then also she was great throughout um, a series that I consider to be one of the best series in the history of television, which was The Americans. She was great in The Americans. I, um, I think you've called seven shows now the best show in the history of television. No, I not not the, <laughs> not the. Among the best shows I've seen. Among me, the I've seen best. A, I've seen a lot of. I've seen a lot of bad shows. Trust me. Yeah, yeah that's um, a good quantifier. But uh, but the Americans is is incredible. Mar- Mar- Margot Martindale and every scene she's in instantly doesn't matter who she's standing next to, like she grabs my attention. She's absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah, and I get that Fargo reference, Kev, because like yeah, 100%. that's exactly what William H Macy sort of did. That's what Francis yeah. McDormand sort of did. 
So even though it's set in a community that you're not that familiar, this looks like a Norwegian fishing village yeah. of some sort. Or new, I think it's New England, actually. But uh, yeah, it looks like an homage to the Coen Brothers. It just, it just, I mean, again, it's not a bad thing. I mean, uh, so many filmmakers watch other films and get ideas, and and that's how that's how filmmaking works. I just, it just reminded me of Fargo. If you're going to rip love. someone off, that's a really good, <laughs> a good duo yeah. to rip off. Steal from the best. And the final one uh, is an Apple TV film that's coming out, which is very funny because they had the premiere for this uh, in Memphis a few weeks ago uh, before all the chaos happened. Um, And it's called The Banker, and it stars uh, Sam Jackson and Anthony Mackie. Um, And Mackie, again, is one of these guys who seems to be working really hard and popping up in a lot of different places. Uh, Yes, he does have Captain and the Winter Soldier coming on, but this is another film that... uh, yeah, I don't know how to describe this one. How would you guys describe The Banker? What did it look like to you? Is there something you can kind of compare it to? Uh, I mean, I like Anthony Mackie. I like Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, I, I'm interested in seeing it just based on the trailer. It looks interesting. Did it look original? I couldn't really. I can't, I can't quite. Move. I feel like I've seen it. It looks I, it. It looks fine. It looks it looks it looks fine. You know. Yeah. All right. I guess that we'll. Uh, We'll wait and see if these other ideas come to streaming services. And in addition to that, that's what we want to get to next. It's just some recommendations that we have for things that uh, we have either watched or are about to start watching. I know Jake has one that um, he wants to throw out there because it's, again, when I watched that Fox 32 segment. Uh, Jake, you're sending people to Hulu to watch Friday Night Lights. Yeah, I mean, Friday Night Lights is... See, now I can't even say it because you're just going to give me shit for it. But it is genuinely <laughs> one of my all-time favorite TV shows. <laughs> Here's the deal. There, there's the a difference. Th- TV show. Th- there, there's a giant difference between my favorite TV shows and TV shows that I would consider like are like the best TV shows I've ever seen. You know, like yeah. like like The Americans is truly, truly great television. But it's not I yeah. wouldn't put it in my like top five favorites. Like it's like it's a slow burn. Like, I, you know, I probably wouldn't watch it again. Like Friday Night Lights. I mean, you know, it's one, it's, it's about football in Texas, small town way of life. It's very much how I grew up. Um, sure. Kyle Chandler, who uh, is actually one of my favorite actors, um, uh, coach Taylor, that character is just astounding. Um, that it has one of the best marriages in the history of um, Connie Britton in the history of television. Him and Connie Britton are absolutely mm. incredible together. Beautiful show, wonderful score. A lot of uh, explosions in the sky, which uh, it's a band I'm a big fan of. And uh, it's, it's just an amazing show. And like the best sports movies, uh, it's not about sports. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't really like football, so I'm not going to like it. it. It doesn't matter. You don't. You shouldn't need to like football to like Friday Night Lights. Sure, of course, naturally, football is an element of it, but um, it's 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 just an amazing show. And if you never got the chance to see it, you're really missing out. And I, I can I can honestly tell you this: I've never recommended it to someone who didn't come back and say that's one of the best shows I've ever seen in my entire life. Every every person who I've recommended that show to comes back to me and says, "Thank you so much for recommending that." I, no one comes back and says, oh, I couldn't finish it or I didn't get into it or it wasn't my thing. Everyone comes back and says, that show is amazing. Aren't there a bunch of young actors, too, that sort of break out of it? Yeah, Michael B. Jordan uh, okay. is in it and, and fantastic. Taylor Kitsch, uh, it's really kind of where he got his start. Okay. Um, and uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing cast. Um, uh, Journey Smollett-Bell is in it. Oh, uh, no kidding. Really, yeah. Really, Birds Mickey Kelly. Praise Journey Birds, Cement, yeah, Smollett that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So, it's really, it's an amazing cast. Five seasons. Easy to, pretty, pretty easy. To, uh, here's the one thing I will tell you. The the beginning of the second season. No, maybe, maybe just the second season in general. It's a little wonky and kind of just ends briefly. It just ends suddenly because that was when the writer's strike was happening. 
Oh, okay. So it just stops. So if you're wondering, like, wait, what the hell is going on? Yeah. It's because they were in the middle of the writer strike, and it picks back up with season three and kind of fixes itself. But that's the one little, like, blemish, I would say, on an otherwise perfect show. All right. Kevin has two movies that he wants to recommend. Before I throw to him, I'm going to throw to uh, myself and just say that on Netflix, I started getting into Schitt's Creek. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. this is a show that Michelle, so Michelle gets up super early in the morning. She's up by like five and she's moving around the house and she gets an hour to herself before she starts waking the rest of us up. And so she uses that time to binge a lot of television and she has rifled through shows like um, Marvelous Miss Maisel and Handmaid's Tale. And uh, she started doing Shit's Creek. And I would just, I started waking up for a couple of weeks straight of just her bellow laughing like in the kitchen. And she kept, she would come up and say, like, you have to watch this show. It's so damn funny. And I don't know why. I just never connected. Like, I just didn't start it, you know? And so one t- day while I was traveling and I was stuck in the hotel room, I thought, all right, I'm going to fire this up while I eat some uh, dinner here. And it was just laugh out loud funny. And why wouldn't it be, right? Like, once you realize who's involved, Eugene Levy and um, Catherine O'Hara and and then the younger actors, who one is Eugene Levy's kid. Um I didn't know the concept of the show and I don't want to give it away to anybody until you find out what it is, but it's really, really funny uh, that explains how they get into their situation. But, but the, the show also has, in addition to just like multiple laugh out loud moments in every single episode has a lot of heart. You get to invest it in them as a family. Uh, the townsfolk that live in Schitt's Creek are all <laughs> bizarrely small town. And uh, it is just some of the sharpest satire I've seen. So if, like me, you put off a very long time getting into Schitt's Creek, um, it is flat out hilarious. And uh, they're quick binge episodes. Yeah. Don't watch The Office for the umpteenth time. Uh, give a new sitcom a, I feel a chance. personally attacked by that comment. I didn't necessarily want to aim that at you, but I'm saying they're 20 minute episodes. And uh, and that's something you can get through really, really quickly. And it's I- super bingeable. I've always wanted to know this. I, I I know the show is called Shit's Creek and it's spelled different spelled differently than the the curse word. But yeah. how do they get away with saying it on TV? Like well, like on the, it's Netflix. And, and, well, no, Shit's Creek was on network for a while. Yeah, it? It, was, it was on a Canadian yeah. network, right? Was it really? Oh no, kidding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so that's why I don't understand. Like, but even when they go to like the Emmys or whatever. But I mean, like, I say it on TV whenever we talk about. It. I, I I think it's the same reason. Like you know, if if like like in the gentleman, if someone's last name is Fuck. You, you say it because that's what that's you, what you know just because it sounds like a swear word jake there is no way that you would go on local television and say that word say the f word if it's someone's last name there's no way you would do you, that you have to you, you wouldn't do that the you station wouldn't let, you cannot say no one's last name you could not say that name on the air you would get fined you absolutely have to there is no i i oh my god I would it's love pronounced to, mr bullshit yeah, there is no way you would drop an F-bomb on TV, even if it was a last if name. If it's someone's name, it's someone's name. It, it doesn't matter what it sounds like. You say, you know, if, you know, if, 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 if water's going over a dam, you don't say, well, I can't, I can't say that because it sounds like a swear word. Like, it's, it's, yeah, but, it's, it's a thing. But dam is actually a, an actual physical thing. The F-word is a curse word. Damn is a physical thing yeah, that but, exists. But if, you can if, make an if, argument for that. But like, like in the gentleman, if the if, if someone's name is P H U C K, like okay. who who are who are we to say that we can't say that? Well, and, thing? Uh, let's use Shit's Creek as an example. It's based on the the it's last name S-C- is S C H I T T. Right. The last name is Shit. I will give you the perfect example. If someone's last name in the movie was the F word. 
Would the MPAA allow that pass to PG-13? I'm sorry, prior to a PG-13, there's no way they would let that happen. It would be considered the F word, and you know that. You're telling me that they would be able to make a movie with a guy with the F word, his last name, and okay, keep it PG-13? Okay. <laughs> there's it's no a good way. debate. I have no idea. If, if there the were a major news story, a major right. breaking worldwide news story, uh-huh. and at the center of it was a doctor whose Dr. last Fuck. name was Fuck, <laughs> right? Dr. Fuck. We would have to, as journalists, you have to say it. You have to. You don't have a choice. You have, you don't have a choice, You would Kevin. actually get fined. I I would love to see Jake in that situation. There is Dude, no way you would dance say around that word it. on You'd TV. You'd be like, Dr. Fuke. I said Chits Creek on TV. <laughs> That's different. That's a show that people know about. To say the <laughs> but, 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 but my point is, is that if someone that we, like, came into the news whose last right? name was Fuck, we would have to say it. You won't have, okay. you don't have a choice. The news is news. I'm still waiting for your answer to my question. Would this. a movie still get a PG-13? That's not what we're talking about. Like- I, I don't know. Probably not. But but if, but but that's not. But a movie is not news. No, no, no. I'm asking you a question. If someone's last name was the F word, I don't, I, would- I don't know. If, dude, like if, if if it was a true story about a guy who did something wild and crazy in this world that we've probably all reported on by that point, yes. then they would probably have to give it a pass. I don't buy it. I think that now, word. if it's if it's for a joke like like meet the parents, then then you know they were like then you, then it I obviously it. becomes a different it. thing. Like if Clint Eastwood made a movie about the guy who stopped the Atlanta bombing, and it wasn't Richard Jewell, his name was Richard Fuck. Then you have to do it. The title of the movie would be yes. Richard Fuck. Yeah, that that would never if it, happen. If it, no, if it, but <laughs> it if it, but happen. we're talking hypotheticals, Kevin. <laughs> Hypothetically, if a guy came into the news whose last name happened to be Fuck, we don't have a choice as journalists. We have to say it. Literally, we're saying whoever whoever comes up with the uh, coronavirus cure, like they're gonna make a movie about him someday. <laughs> it better not be, play, be. He will be played by Tom Hanks. <laughs> yes, he will be. It better not be Doctor Fuck. Or we're or we're or Kevin's doomed. not going to cover that story at all. <laughs> all right, Kevin, you do have two movies that you want to recommend though for uh, for people to stream. God, that went off the rails fast. Do you remember them? Yes, I do. <laughs> fire, um, fire away. So I was going to do Better Call Saul, obviously for the streaming, as you mentioned, Sean. Um, yes. And then I was going to do True Lies, which is on HBO Go and now, um, which is, is like it? really the only. Only place you can find that film that I've seen in in HD and in, in, in widescreen format. So if you're a True Lies fan, it's not available on Blu-ray, um, and it's one of my favorite James Cameron movies ever. Uh, if you have an HBO subscription, you can go right on to HBO on demand, or you can go into your Amazon app, and that will have the HBO layer there, and you can find like True Lies is there, Upgrade is there, uh, Warrior is there. Uh, but True Lies, if you really want a full-blown HD widescreen format of that movie the way it was intended, um, that's the only way that I've seen that you can see it unless you fly on a United flight, which I, which is how I had to watch it for a long time. <laughs> that's how crazy. I had to watch that's True Lies. nuts. I had to watch my only route to True Lies because I bought this DVD that – the ratio was so messed up. It was like four by three. It was cutting. It was cutting off the movie. It looked terrible. You can't find that film anywhere on HD to birch to purchase. Um, and so that's the way I was. Do you watching. have it on just like a regular DVD? Yeah, I was watching it on airplanes because I needed my my True Lies fix. Um, and now it's there. So the other one I'll mention is just an, an obvious one for me personally. It was Jay and Silent Bob uh, reboot. Uh, if you if you haven't seen it yet, it's on Amazon Prime for free. 
So if you have an Amazon Prime uh, membership, you can actually go on there and watch Jay and Silent Bob reboot for free as part of your subscription. That's amazing. Um, and so if you haven't seen it yet, and if you're a big Kevin Smith fan, uh, it's an incredible film. We all loved it. Uh, uh, and if you haven't seen it, now you can. It's I on think that's, streaming. That's fantastic. I actually yeah. think, I'm, well, I, shoot, I wanted to watch that. I was going to say I'm going to watch it tonight, but I... I already agreed that watch it with leftovers. you. We should do a live watch party, all three of us together, or That'd four of us together. And, do a little commentary. You know what? I mean, Gabe, maybe we, we could put that together. It's an idea. Well, we there's think that about. new um, Netflix party option. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd, that'd be that fun. Chrome extension. But right Kevin, now, you cannot mention, you cannot mention uh, that you're the one who was responsible for the Ben Affleck scene getting written into Wait, what? It. It's just I don't too even much know what you're talking about. What's that? I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, let's get to the blend game for this week. The hashtag underrated 90s blend. Uh, we've been working our way through the different decades, singling out titles uh, that we viewed as underrated. And you guys also did an amazing job of playing along uh, on social media. And we received two emails uh, from folks. So uh, thank you very much for the people who are going out of the way to contacted the show that way you could always email us at realblend at cinemablend.com uh kev let's start with you what was your pick for hashtag underrated 90s blend yeah so i'm gonna leave the name out of this only because i mm-hmm. uh it was a private conversation um but and I'll, and I'll tell you guys off camera it's not like i'm hiding it from you guys i'm just talking about for the for the air for our show um but one of my favorite movies of the 90s is one of the most disrespected action films that people just don't talk about. People forget about it. People make fun of it. It's Last Action Hero. And I know that oh. Jake likes that movie as much as I do. I love that film. But I, I remember growing up, and I'll get into why I loved it in a second, but the reason, the, the name I was mentioning at the top there, I remember running into somebody who was involved in that movie uh, at some point. And I had a long conversation with that person about that movie and how much they didn't like that film because of kind of how it came out and what happened with it. Um, and that always bothered me. I always felt like bad because I'm sitting there talking to this person and I'm like, I love Last Action Hero. But then somebody who was tied to it, um, I heard that side of the story, which was the filmmaking side of it, which, you know, is not my it wasn't my experience with Last Action Hero. So it was interesting perspective to think about, like, talk to somebody who was involved in the film and how, their disappointment of the movie, but how much that movie meant to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I've said this on the show before. I, you know, as a kid growing up, Arnold Schwarzenegger was my favorite actor ever. He was my hero. I, I always dreamed of meeting him. I used to have, like, dreams that my dad was Arnold. Or, I, I was obsessed <laughs> with Arnold. I mean, Terminator 2, as I've said, changed my life. So... When I saw Last Action Hero, that was my dream, was that kid sitting in a theater having that ticket torn, the gold dust flying everywhere, sits in a theater, jumps into Jack Slater 3 or 4, whatever it was, lands in that car, and then the most ridiculous stuff starts to happen. Car Vans are flying in the air and exploding. It was like, it was like one of the coolest things ever. And I, I kept thinking to myself, gosh, man, like how cool would that be to be that kid? I think that kid went on to do like prehistoria, whatever that movie was or what, but I mean, just to be that kid to have like filmed that movie with Arnold, but even the storyline to be in the world of the movie. And this kid knew everything about movies. He reminded me of me. He just really <laughs> reminded me of me. Not that I know everything about movies, but like he was just a nerd about filmmaking and, and, and Arnold and, or his character, Jack Slater. 
And that film's concept was so genius. Like the idea of going in and out of the real world, what things were real, what things weren't real. And then the way they played with movies, um, going into a blockbuster, the 555 number bit, Stallone being on the Terminator poster, um, <laughs> T, T-1000 walking by them, Robert Patrick walking by them out of the police station. One of my favorite moments in that film was when Arnold's on the phone, I think it was with his wife, the character, and he has a tape recorder that goes, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, it's just repeating over and over. So he puts the phone on top of the recorder and lets his <laughs> wife continue talking to him while he walks away and talks to other people. And it's just the recorder of him going, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, honey. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so great. And so I just always loved the comedy of that film. Um, the action, uh, the bad guy. Uh, I love when he goes to the, he goes, wait, the bad guy's over there. I mean, I just love that concept of a it's movie meta. character. Yeah, very but meta. a movie ca- meta before meta was really a thing, right? Yeah. Like, like meta has always been a thing, but like it, this was like extremely meta. And to be in a world, I mean, think about how clever this is. A, a, a real world kid drops himself into a movie. He knows more about the movie than the than the character does. And the character almost doesn't even know he or she is an actor. Right. That is so interesting to me. Um, and then when, don't they even come out of I'm trying to remember. They come out of the movie at one point, And then Arnold is a real person in real life. Like he's like a movie star. But then uh, he can I'm be injured, right? I think when yeah, they come out of yeah. the real world, he's vulnerable. Yeah. But he doesn't get it. Remember when he throws the dynamite and it goes out of the screen into the theater and rolls down the, the row of the movie? If anybody hasn't seen Last Action Hero, watch it again. It is so funny and so well done. Um, It is a bit bloated. It's it's a long film. Um, But if you're a fan of Arnold, I just feel like the movie was very underappreciated. And I've read Arnold's book. That that movie bombed, right? No one saw Last Action Hero. It was a major disappointment at the box office. I was just looking up while you were talking about it. It ended up doing $50 at the box office, which back in 1993, the leading box office title that year was Jurassic Park with uh, like $330 million. So not a not a bomb, but by Arnold's standards, by the time that movie came out, like he was he was raking it in in general. And then that was kind of like the beginning of the end for him as a as a leading man kind of thing. Right. You're, you're talking about like T T two T two Arnold, right? I mean, like the, he is Arnold is in his prime and then $50 million for him, like you said, is not great. So that's why I have it as an underrated movie. I I do feel that it was that it was it, it was not well received. I believe critically it was not well received. I don't remember what the percentage is, um, but I do know that the film I feel like was not given a fair shot. It's got uh, crazy heavy hitters behind it. It's directed by John McTiernan, who obviously I did know. Predator with uh, Arnold yeah. and did Die Hard, obviously the two Die Hards. Uh, co-written by Shane Black, also too. You know that's where that humor comes from. I think. Look who so. the other co-writer is. Yeah, Zach Penn, who was a guest. Yeah, on our who show. did Ready? Who did Ready yeah. Player One? So it's yes. like like there's so many cool like different ways. Um, to look into that film, that is my underrated 90s pick. Love that movie, Good and pick. I will never be afraid to say that. Jakey, what do you got? Okay, so, you know, it's all about trying to figure out whether or not a movie really is underrated or why it's underrated. And, and, and I'm sort of torn about this movie that I've chosen because I've always been told that don't say Jurassic people... Park. No, I would never. <laughs> I've always been told that people don't like this movie. The lead actor in this film has told me to my face that he doesn't like this movie. It's got a uh, 43 score on uh, Metacritic, okay. but on IMDb, it's got a 7.2 rating. So okay. I'm not quite sure how people feel about it, but it's what at least mixed enough so that the lead actor has told me, dude, that is not a good movie. What and that is, is it? Meet Joe Black. Oh, 
Oh, interesting. I it's not a good movie. Love me, Joe Black. I say, see, there you go. <laughs> I, lo- I mean, whenever uh, I, the 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 quote unquote romantic films that I love tend to always have some kind of like a weird twist to them. And this is such a if you don't know the premise, it's it's basically a remake of Death Takes a Holiday, which is um, Anthony Hopkins plays sort of this media mogul who is uh, basically about to die, and death comes to him to take him. And death just so happens to be in the body of uh, of a guy played by Brad Pitt. But Brad Death looks like Brad Pitt, and a ridiculously handsome Brad. Very, Pitt also it's Brad too. Pitt at his most Brad Pitty. Holy Lord, in his um, Brad Pittiness. Yeah, late nineties Brad Pitt looked like like quintessential Brad Pitt. And so they make a deal where he says, "Okay, basically, like Death says, I'll give you a week to get your affairs in order and say goodbye to everyone you want to say goodbye to." But in that time, you got to sort of like show me around, like like show me what this whole Earth thing is about. You know, get, like give me give me a tour, like to tell me tell me what it is that you guys love about this world so much. And in that time, Death falls in love with a daughter of Anthony Hopkins. It's a great premise. I think Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins have incredible chemistry together, so much so that they've actually kept a pretty close friendship uh, going over these years. They they speak so fondly of each other. They just did one of those actors interviewing actors um, things this past Oscar season. Did they really? Um, and it was fantastic. Oh, oh, it was great. It was so great. And um, the score is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful score. In fact, it's so good that it's actually used elsewhere. They use it in a lot of movies. Like you, pro- even if you don't know that it's the Meet Joe Black score. You've probably heard it used in like other trailers and stuff. It's a gorgeous mm. score. Uh, really one of those like really mo- kind of movies that makes you kind of stop and think about really what's important in life, you know, because because he is this guy that, you know, like it, it's all about work and, and it's, you know, like family, like, yeah, yeah, family, you know, it, it's it's it, it hits all the sort of quintessential emotional beats that, that a movie about dying hits. Um, you know, but it's, you know, that, that, that has a gorgeous cinematography, some of the shots of. Uh, there's this beautiful shot that's image that they keep uh, reusing over and over again. And in fact, it's actually one of my favorite teaser posters. And it's this bridge and it's Brad Pitt just walking over this bridge. And it's like one of these kind of like this little bridge in a garden. And uh, in fact, we were talking about taglines a few weeks ago. The, the teaser poster was Brad Pitt in a tuxedo standing on this bridge. And at, atop the poster, it says, meet Joe Black. And the tagline was, sooner or later, everyone does. And I just ah, love that. That's love pretty that. good. Love that's the movie. Um, really got ripped apart by critics. But it seems like, I don't want to say like, quote unquote, like average movie fans like it. Because with more than 200,000 ratings on IMDb, it's got a 7.2 user rating. Which is pretty damn solid for IMDb. So, uh, But I still think it is um, a really, truly underrated uh, romantic film. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Um, I but you could argue that it's long. It was a, it was a two taper back in the nineties. Yep. It's 17 hours long. Two taper um, blockbuster. It's, it's pretty long. It's, it's like three hours. I remember the two tapers, the two tapers, like Titanic heat was, heat was a two heat, taper. Heat was a two taper. Me, <laughs> uh, yeah. Joe black was a two taper, but I think it's a truly underrated and genuinely beautiful film. And it is on Netflix. Now, if you've never seen it or want to give it a rewatch. And oh, Jake, I don't know if you watched the special features in the meet Joe black, uh, DVD, um, <laughs> Where Brad Pitt actually wanted to offer up his favorite shows to stream. Oh, uh, did you hear about? Did you hear about Brad Pitt's favorite show that he wants people to stream? No, I did not hear this. Kevin. Really? What is it? I'm heard not going to survive this quarantine if we no. have to keep doing this. But Jake, I'm surprised you didn't see this in the Blu-ray features. Brad Pitt's favorite movie to stream is Brad Shit's Creek. <laughs> 
So it's a perfect time for that. that right now. Really so thank good. you, Brad. Thank you, Brad good. Pitt. I appreciate that. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Kevin, I never told you this too, but like when oh, I did Christ. the bloodshot uh, junket and I got to interview uh, Vin Diesel, oh, okay. he told me about a project that unfortunately has fallen off his radar, but he was trying oh. to remake uh, a very famous Brad Pitt movie. Do you know what it's oh. called? Oh, was it, was it pitch Joe black? <laughs> it was meet pitch black. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a, I like that one. We were both I, right there. We were both there. <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were both on that wavelength. We were Did, just you a little bit off. Yeah. Did you say Pitch Joe Black? Pitch Joe Black. I genuinely don't know what either of you get paid for your jobs, but whatever it is, it's way too much. Uh, uh, All right, my pick for underrated 90s blend. I'm curious if either of you guys have seen it. I'm going to guess that you have, but I don't think that enough people have seen it. It's Sam Raimi's uh, film, A Simple Plan. Oh, oh that was my second pick. That was going to be my second pick. I swear to God. Are you If it wasn't me? me, Joe Black, it was going to be a simple plan. Oh, and, great pick. And a simple plan, basically, I would argue, is a Coen Brothers homage, right? I mean, it was a oh, very Coen Brothers type 100%. movie. 100%. In fact, yeah. I think part of the reason why it didn't do that well is because it opened too close to Fargo. Great um, movie. And I just think people looked at it and sort of thought to themselves, I don't want to watch Fargo again or a lesser Fargo. Yeah. And it's not that. And again, so if you haven't seen it, uh, I'm not going to tell you any real details about it. I'll give you the basic setup. Uh, these guys go into the woods. They find a plane. Uh, the plane has $4.4 million, I want to say, in it. And they take the cash um, and try to decide uh, how to sit on it and figure out like where the money came from. And as they start to learn details about the cash... Uh, and they each start to become kind of greedy about, well, one in particular becomes pretty greedy about wanting his share of the money. Uh, they just start making mistakes and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> they, uh, and the mistakes so, it's getting. one of my favorite movie endings. Yes. Oh, Such a great ending. It is a terrific, terrific ending. It's, it's an amazing script. It's got incredible the performances. Book? No, I never read the book. Is it so that Scott different? Ruins, I think Scott Ruin wrote the book. Great book. And then he wrote a, um. Uh, his second follow-up to that was a book called The Ruins. Also a great book if you get the chance. Okay. Oh, 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 great pick. Oh, that's, that excites me so much. Sean, I'm, so that. I'm actually glad you picked that because my other underrated 90s pick was a Sam Raimi movie, actually, oddly enough. What were you going to go any, with? I mean, and this is, not, this is not a joke. I'm not doing a pun. Any, any guesses you want to hand out? Well, said Raimi, Darkman? Darkman, 1990. Yeah, Darkman's a good Darkman. Liam, Liam Neeson style. That movie is so underrated. It's funny because you mentioned Raimi like Simple Plan and Dark Man, like that guy had a, a really interesting filmography um, sure. over over his career from the Evil Deads to the Spider Mans and he back did to the, the Quick Drag- and the Dead too with Sharon quick Stone and the dead. And DiCaprio. Yeah, the Quick. The, I'm surprised he didn't call it the Quick and the Evil Dead. I have no <laughs> idea why he didn't do that. Um, no, but I genuinely think that Raimi had some sleepers. Sleepers is another underrated movie, by the oh, way. Oh, The Gift also. The Gift. Oh, too, The he did. Gift. Yep. Ray, oh, with Katie Holmes. Yeah, That's right, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then, um, but yeah, the gift, God, the gift was so good. Kate You're Blanchett. bringing up like old school memories to me now. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. gift, that was around the time period when I was like trying to sneak into R-rated movies. That was like, was that like, was that like late nineties? Was the gift like 99 or 90? Well, I don't remember Somewhere that around there. Now. Yeah. 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 But God, yeah, he had, he had some good stuff in the nineties, but simple plan is a really good one. And dark Terrific. man, I'm just going to cheat and say dark man too. You got to watch dark man. If you haven't okay. seen it. Awesome. Also well, dark city. If you haven't seen dark city, another nineties yeah. underrated nineties movie. Now I don't know how you can stream Simple Plan, but if you, it, it's got to be out there somewhere. I will tell well, yeah. you. You know what, Sean? I'm actually glad you brought that up. Here's the website I use. I'm, I'll give them a free plug. Okay. There's a website called Decider.com. Yeah. 
All you do is you go to decider.com, you type in the movie in the search, it will tell you every streaming platform it oh, is on. Oh, that's cool. So right now, I'll tell you, Simple Plan, let's go to this story right here. Simple Plan is streaming on Amazon Prime. It's nice. included with your Amazon Prime, so if you have a Prime membership, you can watch it for free. Um, you can also rent it and uh, or buy it on Prime, and those are the only two places. So for example, if you search Decider and you go type in True Lies, you'll only get HBO Go and HBO nice. Now. But if you type in Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, it'll tell you that you can watch it on Prime. So anybody listening to our show who wants to watch a movie and can't figure out where it is, remember, you already have streaming services. So you have Netflix, you have Hulu, whatever you have, it might be on there. You just might not know it. Now, if it's not, they'll tell you where you can rent it for $3.99 or $5.99, whatever it's it is. It's faster than scrolling because that's what you end up doing. You best, man. I, I, I love that site. I use it for every – anytime someone asks me where they can find a movie – Streaming wise, I go there. I mean, and it's not a plug. I don't. They're not paying me anything, but it's a, it's a great site. Audience picks for uh, underrated '90s blend. Jensen Hardage uh, said, "My usual pick here would be that thing you do, but I'm going to trust Sean will make that pick. <laughs> so to give some more variety, I'll go with my second pick, which is Rounders. God, that's a great, great choice. movie. Great Rounders movie. is terrific. Uh, Nikki says, "Set it off." I've seen a lot of films that definitely took inspiration from it, but never yes. hear it acknowledged in the movie. mainstream. Set it off as a That's really a great Queen Latifah, film. right? Uh, Jada yeah. Pinkett, Queen Latifah. Yeah, Queen Latifah. That, was a, that was a really great movie in the 90s. That was 96, I want to say. Great soundtrack, too. And Pete, who's part of the Chicago Blenders, says the underrated 90s blend choice is Dark City, uh, which Jake just mentioned. A fantastic cast, a unique story, and a great blend of sci-fi film and sci-fi and film noir a 90s must watch jennifer connelly right yeah Uh, yeah, i believe so i believe so all right for next week you guys can reach out on twitter or play along via real blend at cinemablend.com and tell us your absolute favorite hashtag jessica chastain blend pick we are doing the films of jessica chastain uh the redheaded goddess who uh, is known for it? Chapter one, chapter two. Uh, what's the Bin Laden one that she was in? Zero Dark Thirty. Zero Dark Thirty. Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, and was she several- in Take Shelter? <clears throat> was she yeah. In my, the Michael Shannon. Was she, movie? Is, she, wasn't in she his wife in that? Tree of Life. I know what my pick is going to be, and it's going to be for a very unusual reason. I will tease that uh, for next week's blend game. So we have a review. Uh, this one this week comes from not Kevin's dad. Uh, And he says, this is the real deal. (laughs) Is he the first person to use that or have people used the real deal before? Uh, My first love has always been film. From the moment I saw Pinocchio on the silver screen over 55 years ago. Dang, someone older than me is listening to this show. Uh, I was totally and completely hooked, though I passed on a career in film to become a cardiologist Film has been a constant presence in my life. Dad? <laughs> no, it said not Kevin's dad. Ask any of my kids who were forced to wait on a line to see a movie on opening night before online ticketing became a thing. The Real Blend podcast has become a permanent fixture on my podcast set list. It is incredibly refreshing to hear people as passionate about cinema as I am. Their interviews with some of the greatest actors, directors, and writers working in Hollywood today are insightful and demonstrate their love for the craft of filmmaking. These interviews are some of the best I've ever listened to. At the end of each discussion, I am left with a better appreciation for the film in question, along with a deeper understanding of the filmmaking process. As a true film geek... I get to live vicariously through their adventures in Hollywood and beyond. I love their heated discussions about the films they love or hate, 
but I would certainly dial down the shouting over each other just a tad. While their puns can be extremely painful to listen to, I must end with one of my own. Oh, okay. yeah. All right. Kevin, do you know which author Ryan Johnson wanted to write The Rise of Skywalker? <laughs> which author? I, I did, love the, the deepness of this one. Did Ryan Johnson want want to write Rise of Skywalker? There's so many There's ways this could go. I mean, like, can you can you can you put me in a, a certain I'll direction? I'll say this: It's a horror writer. It is a horror writer. Okay, that Ryan so, Johnson wanted to so write Stephen. King, mm, you're. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna give it to you. Oh, Dean Koontz. That's a good. <laughs> um, wait, I'm trying to think of some other horror. Remember Dean Koontz blood. Well, this is like a classic. This is a a vintage horror, old school horror. Oh, I know. It's R.L. Stein. No, it's, it's, it's Edgar Allan Poe Dameron. <laughs> That's really good. That's good. Oh, by the way, uh, speaking of puns, Brad Pitt just texted me. He wanted to um, he wanted to chime in on an earlier blend game we did about Tom Hanks. Oh, interesting. Good. Uh, so he said, um, "Do you know? Have you told the guys my favorite um, Tom Hanks blend pick?" He wants to know if you guys heard this yet. Um, he was he was gonna say it in his Oscar speech. He just didn't have time. He's like, I understand they wrapped him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I don't. I'm not sure. What this, no. Jake is Jake, Jake is scrolling. Jake, any 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 word on on Brad Pitt's favorite Tom Hanks movie? I'm just waiting on this episode to be over. <laughs> oh, all right, <laughs> you and everyone well, else listening, Kevin. What is it? Brad Pitt's official Tom Hanks pick is "Snatch Me If You Can." Jesus. What's wrong with that? That's a perfect pun. The movie, he was in Snatch, which is a great movie about, about stealing diamonds. And Catch Me If You Can with Tom Hanks. Right. Come on, that works. Yeah. All right. Sadly, yeah. we'll be back next week with more of this. Follow us online at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, and at Sean underscore O'Connell. Drop us a review on iTunes or email it to us at realblend.cinemablend.com. Uh, we will continue to try to be an oasis in the chaos, uh, and we'll bring our normal uh, blend of entertainment reporting and commentary to you guys next week. Until then, Don Kirk. <laughs> Snatch me if you can. <laughs> This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.